0: easy but because they are hard. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. A date which will live in infamy.
1: I still have a dream.
0: Good night and good luck. All right, dude. Thanks for coming on. We're on live with the Hard Hat Intellectual. And so, I don't know if you intentionally remain anonymous or not, but I don't know your name. If you want me to keep it that way, that's cool.
1: Oh, no, no, that's cool. My name's uh, Josh.
0: Josh. Cool. That's a good name, man.
1: Nice, nice biblical name. Nice warrior. Yeah. There's a little warrior touch to it, you know?
0: Well, <laughs> if you look at the, the original pronunciation of Jesus's name, it sounds a lot more like Joshua than Jesus. It's yeah. Yeshua. Yeah, so
1: they, it's had a a... sl- they had a different slang back then from what I hear
0: that's <laughs> <Yes>, right, right. <laughs> that's a good name. My my best man at my wedding his name was Josh. So I always think fondly of people when I meet them their name Josh.
1: Very very so, common name.
0: So what's your deal man? I've been following you on Twitter. I think you kind of popped out of nowhere like maybe 6 months ago or something. What? Did you have an account that got deleted and then you came yeah. back?
1: Yeah, I had I had an account it uh it ended up getting deleted. I forget what for, but uh ended up flagging it I had a Facebook one too that was pretty popular and they flagged that too. but um yeah man I, I'm, I'm just a regular dude I was working uh, I read a lot, just started reading a couple yeah. years back very very heavily and you know I started noticing trends and things that were going on within society that it just it, it fell off and I remembered reading about some of it especially when the statues started getting torn down. That's when I was like I've seen this in one of those books I was just reading. And that's when I started getting really, really heavily involved. And I, I started making these videos, like these two-minute videos. And they started catching a lot of traction. Like Gina Carano was sharing them. Dave Rubin shared a few. A lot of people started sharing. Like big People like, keep doing them. You're good at them. And then here I am, <laughs> Hot Hat. You know what I mean? They said, yo, get a like, nice little creative name. A couple people gave me a few pointers. And then the creation of Hot Hat.
0: So what's your, what's your story, man? Where are you from?
1: Um, originally, I'm from uh, Providence, Rhode Island i've lived in massachusetts too uh grew up a regular uh upbringing um i got taken away from my mother when i was really young she wasn't uh fit to have us so i grew up kind of in the streets a little bit
0: i'm sorry Um, man.
1: yeah yeah uh i I mean a lot of people say that but you know honestly it was a blessing because it made me stronger to a lot of things you know i i understand the real world i understand the reality of what it's like when people get desperate like what what the streets really look like, you know, not what these people advocate for on TV, you know, with this equity and all the shit it's it's not it's nonsense, dude. It doesn't work like that in the streets. But I ended up getting a takeaway from my mother, grew up kind of rough like that. Um How around you the, when that happened. I was like 11 years old.
0: Then Maybe. did you want to leave or were you pissed off that it happened?
1: Um, you know, when things like that happen at that age, you kind of don't really know, you're not too aware. I mean, I knew something was wrong. So it's kind of mixed emotions. You know, at that age, you don't really have control over your emotions. You know, I was kind of mad, kind of disappointed in my mother for it. Um, A weird sense of relief came over me, too, you know, a little bit down the line because I knew it was necessary and it had to happen. But yeah, it's, it's, it's mixed emotions, man. You know, growing up like that, it's really you can write a book about it and you could you could document all that stuff. But it's really hard unless you've experienced it a little bit. It's hard to really like put into words so people could understand it, or even possibly feel it, if that makes sense.
0: Sure. Sure. But, so were you going yeah. to school and shit or were you just skipping out, hanging out?
1: Um I always had a knack for school. Not not every subject. History was my biggest thing. I always loved history. I kind of let the you know my my friends, you know, that popular crowd, they kind of got to me a little bit. I was like, ah nah, they're like, why are you always worrying what trying to read about that stuff? It's weird. So I kind of put it to the back. I let the peer pressure get to me. But I was really good in history, very, very adamant reader in history. Um, I ended up dropping out my senior year, which is crazy. And uh, I ended up making a very bad mistake. I went to prison for three years. But yeah. that is where I started reading
0: feverish. Are you willing to talk about what she did or do you want to skip that?
1: No, no, I'll tell you. Um, me and a group of friends went out. Uh, we had a firearm in the car, it was mine. And um, we ended up getting pulled over with it. Me, being how I am I wasn't gonna let no one take the fall for something that was my decision I could have easily said it wasn't mine and the driver would have went down because it's his car you know but I ended up taking responsibility for it I went to prison for about three years and as crazy as this will sound it was honestly the best thing that ever happened because I was on a path of destruction I didn't know what I was doing with my life I was constantly in the streets it, you, you wouldn't believe it if I told you man I was completely different than how I am now like but Prison changed me, man. It made me appreciate what you know freedom is. It made me recognize a lot of things now that you know are all so crazy. Like the way it's getting now, I felt more free in there than I do actually right now. <laughs> like it's I really was getting told, sure. "Yeah, man," but it changed me. I started reading, dude, and it was a wrap, man. I was reading everything I can get my hands on: philosophy, Plato, Socrates, Wittgenstein—you name it, dude. Just getting it. So Read you, it,
0: you man. Malcolm Xed it?
1: Yes, I was actually in the same prison as Malcolm X. South Bay. Hell
0: hell of a place. I hear you can get a hell of an education there.
1: <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> but there's a lot of great minds in there. It's not like how they portray it in the movies, man. It's
0: yeah, my brother my brother of, went to prison for three years. Yeah. So I know I know I know a little bit about it just just you know as a relative. I've never been arrested, but yeah, I understand. Yeah. But you know, the crazy thing about going to prison is that there's sort of two ways that you can come out. You can come out worse or you can come out better, right? Like a lot of guys go in and they're around bad influences or whatever. They come out, they feel disgruntled, disenfranchised. It's hard to get back into the system. Um, How did you, how did you manage to respond to it? So health and in such a healthy way.
1: I mean, the first couple of months, it was, uh, it was a little difficult. Um, it took a little while to get used to, but I actually met an older gentleman in there. I used to work out a lot. And, uh, one day he came up to me. You know, I talked to him briefly, but not not like that. But he came up to me and he's like, he's like, you're pretty consistent with working out. And I was like, yeah, I was like trying to stay in shape. He's like, that's good. You keep yourself occupied. Keep your mind off from the outside. He's like, you're not out there. Don't worry about anything out there. He's like, Do you exercise this though. And he pointed to here. And I was like, eh. and he was like, he gave me a book. And he was like, keep your mind occupied. And he's like, Better, he's like, he's like, this is the best education you will ever get because it's a free education on yourself. You have nothing to do but think about how to better yourself while you're behind these walls. And I Remember do kind of book? uh, it was Ludwig Wittgenstein. It was, um, philosophical investigations. And he said, read it slow because it's difficult. It's about language and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a good yeah. book. Was a, he gave me, he gave me plenty of books. You can get the access to books is actually it's crazy in there, man. You don't have access to books in there you kind of do it out here. Library stuff, you can't even get away.
0: And you got so much time. Like, there's no distractions. Like, I've got, you can tell i got a bunch of books, but I've read maybe 20% of them just because you want, you know, I'm distracted by the internet, and my wife, my baby, my job, and whatever. But when you have all that time, so here's one thing i want to ask you because you know i've i've watched prison movies and they they all depict shit differently right you watch cool hand luke they're 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 working the chain gang all day you watch shawshank redemption he's working the laundry and fucking around in the base in the yard all day right like are are you working your ass off when you're in prison or are you just sitting around
1: i mean you can if you want to if you want to uh you know get a little bit of extra like incentives like I did have a job in there. I had actually had a laundry job. It's not like how it's, how it's depicted in Shawshank Redemption, but I had a little laundry job. It was pretty easy. And they gave you $3 a day for it. You know, plus, it looks good when you go to try to get early release and things like that. And it puts a little bit of money in your pocket because some people don't have people that put money on their books. But mm. I mean, the, the best way to describe it in prison is that you, know, you got to keep busy, but you don't want to keep busy the wrong way. You know, you have guys that are in there locked behind them walls and they're constantly thinking about the outside world. You can't control any of those things, dude. You're not out there. The more you stress and the more you're constantly trying to be in touch with the outside world plus worry about controlling it, you're going to have a miserable time in there. And that's kind of what that dude taught me. He was like, you're in here, worry about in here. Focus and control everything that you can in here that you know you can. When you get out there, then you worry about that. He's like, don't be like these guys on the phones all day trying to call – talk to their girl and see what she's doing don't be like these guys worrying about what's going on out there who's doing what he's like they're in here and they don't even realize it yet he's like and they're not going to change anything he's like just focus on you and it it really changed you man I, I met a lot of really solid people in there for sure
0: you know could you stay in touch with any of them
1: one or two of them one or two yeah. of them. some of them some of them go back in there you know it, it's weird because a lot of this there's so much wisdom in there and then you know you have people that go back you know and it's sure. it's really hard it's really hard to understand it. You know, I don't know what goes to their minds. I don't know, you know, what situation they're in, but there's a lot of good minds in there, man. And it's just, I don't know, prison's crazy. <laughs> prison's just crazy, man, for sure.
0: So do you think it's, do you think that that lesson that you just mentioned about not worrying about the outside when you're on the inside, do you think that's, do you think that that could be translated to like where, where we're at? Because like, I can't control shit about what the political class is doing. I can't control what Biden's doing. But I can't control what I do each day, right? So, like in a way, it's the same lesson. Even you know, I don't have to be behind bars to sort of be in my own little cage.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you can; it's absolutely transmutable to the to the situation we're in right now. You know, I know I'm not going to turn into some huge hit heroic figure that saves civilization from you might. Uh, I mean, it's possible. I'm not saying I wouldn't mind it. You know, the autographs and stuff would be pretty awesome. But you know, I just take it day by day. You know, I, I look at it like this: my main objective. My main objective is to get my neighbor or my coworker or anybody that I have face-to-face dialogue, engagement with, to hate this establishment just as much as I do. I want them to understand that this is serious stuff. Not to overwhelm yourself, but please pay attention to this. Voice your concerns. You know, I've had my wife, prime example, she never wanted to get involved in, in the politics stuff. Constantly tried to ignore it and I understood why. I get it, it's overwhelming. Recently, she comes home. She's all frustrated. They put a gender-neutral bathroom in a job. Guys and girls have one bathroom. I said, "Do you see why I tell you to speak up now before it gets to this point?" I said, "And what do you guys doing supposed to what? poop, man?" That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they, and they said that it's fine because all the stalls have locks on them. It's insane. But that—that's pretty much how I—I try to look at it. You know, I, whatever I control, that's in my power. I do. I read a lot. I try to educate myself a lot. I see a lot of things and catch a lot of things that the average person can, you know, especially with words. I feel like a lot of the situations we're in right now is solely based off language to a degree. Like words that they're using, they're not even real words. And we're debating topics that have no solution. It's a paradox. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's designed mm-hmm. that way. So we're going back and forth about something that has no solution, where they're slowly tiptoeing closer to totalitarianism. So I just try to focus on things like that and share what i pick up or what i think i picked up to the best of my ability to others and just take it from there
0: it's that vickenshine uh, sh- shining through man <laughs> you know <laughs> it is, is language the, the fundamental basis of thought or is thought the fundamental basis of language and when they manipulate the language they manipulate the way we think i mean if you think about it like i i almost tweeted the other day i decided i, I didn't for whatever reason it, but i almost tweeted i wasn't an anti-vaxxer until i changed the definition <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. I didn't
0: change, man. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. And that's how they catch it, because you're not even anti-mandate. I'm I'm against mandates. I'm against telling people that they have no choice. There's a difference. I'm not against the vaccine per se. I'm against the mandate. And there's examples of this everywhere. Misinformation's another one. That's the one I cannot stand. People are constantly going back, listen, what is misinformation? Break that word down. What is misinformation? Is it misleading information? Is it false information? And if so, how would you prove that that information is false with more information, right? So how Mm -hmm. can you just say that something's misinformation and not? All there is is information. There's no such thing as misinformation. If you have accurate information, you provide it. If it's better than the previous information, then it shows that it is by providing that information. There's no such thing as misinformation. But everybody's debating about it. Well, What did he say that was misinformation? Don't use the word, period. Because that's how they get you. And then people are going, boom, boom. Now you're arguing, debating about a topic that has no solution using a bunch of words that are made up that have no meaning. It's insane. Dude, it's insane. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah.
0: Well, and the, the crazy thing I've noticed, and one of the things that I admire about Barack Obama is that he was a very good liar.
1: Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: And <laughs> yeah. it, what's what's scary to me is that they're not even trying to lie well anymore. No. Because you know? it's, it's, it's like, what the fuck it. are you going to do about it? You know? Yep. And so like when I see Saki up there and she's answering questions and she's just like totally blowing them off and they're all non-answers. It's, it's like, you know, 10 years ago, they at least made a good effort to cover their tracks. And now they just realize that it doesn't matter whether or not we know what's really going on because we don't have any leverage. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And know? that's what they're doing. And they're trying to get a reaction now. Now they're going, do something, do something. Yeah. yeah we're, indo- we're indoctrinating your kids. You can't even look at the curriculum, do something. They're trying to bait bait that in, but there's ways, like what the truckers did, that's huge because that disrupts the whole production, the whole flow. You can't get shelf stock now. You can't get things delivered now. That affects the mob of people that support you and it affects you now. So now they get restless as well and they have to kind of keep that balance still. You know what I mean? So that, that, was, that exposed what can really damage them, what can really put them on their heels. You know, there's definitely openings in certain issues. I feel the curriculum is a major one. There's anything that's going to get people involved. It's the curriculum and what they're teaching your children. I don't care who you are. If you have a child and you know they're getting bombarded with this lunacy, it's going to make you feel obligated to do something about it. And that's why they want to keep that under wraps. But they are baiting people into definitely have some kind of reaction. I see it all the time. I'm pretty sure you do as well.
0: Man, there's a great article I I need to share with you. Uh, I'm actually going to find it right now because I don't want to forget to share this with you. I read this article uh, last night. Um, Basically, uh, uh, Jordan Peterson tweeted the article and he said, read this please. And I was like, man, if he said, please like that, like he like really wants me to read it. <laughs> and so, so I opened up this article and I thought it was going to take me like five minutes to read it. So I like did like a, I did like a video stream just here reading the article thinking, ha ha, I'll comment the video of me reading it in like three minutes and be like, see I read it. You know, but the whole, the article took me 42 minutes to read dude. <laughs> and I got I to gotta find this. Um, yeah, I'll find it for you for sure. Um, did,
1: it, did it almost make you want to tweet back at Jordan Peterson? Go, Come on, dude. 42 minutes? Are you serious?
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but some of the things that you're saying kind of remind me of it uh, because, yeah, here it is. I found it, dude. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct message it to you on, uh, on um, uh, uh, Twitter just so you have it after the call or whatever, after the podcast. But it's called, No, the Revolution Isn't Over. And it's written on Substack by I, I never heard of the guy that wrote it before. His name's N.S. Lyons. He wrote it in January, and he's basically talking about how the critical race theory and the Marxist stuff is like really entrenched. And just because you know Yunkin won in Virginia doesn't mean that we're actually making any progress because the problem is so much deeper than than we see. Oh. And <laughs> yeah it was just an amazing article and so like my thinking is like man like like maybe we could like win in in the schools by like firing an administrator but then who hires the next administrator and it's like the people on the school board and they're all marxists right it's like the system is a problem and it's like you know there was a time in this country where you could you could work a working class job a labor job and you could own a home and provide for your family and your wife could stay home with the kids and we've gotten to the point because of inflation, because we went off the gold standard, where that's impossible for working class families to do. And so the state has to raise the kids. They spend all the time with them during the day. And mm-hmm. until, like, and like, and like, that's one of the things that bothers me about the left as someone who's had, had a daughter this year is that they're always talking about expanding child services, getting the kids to school younger and younger. I'm like, I don't want you to raise my fucking kid. You know, like I don't, I I want to like be able to make enough money that like my wife doesn't have to work so that we don't have to give you my kid all day. You know, like the the answer isn't for you to have my kid more. (laughs) So like, I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if there is a solution, but it doesn't seem to me like fixing public education is necessarily like going to be a sufficient solution. You know, we got to figure out a way that people just don't even need it.
1: Yes. No, I agree with you 100%. And I've actually had, you know, uh, I don't know if you know who Politibunny is.
0: Who's who's that?
1: She has like 100,000 followers. She's a conservative from what I heard, but she blocked me one day because I said exactly what you said. And she's like, we shouldn't be giving these institutions to the left. And I'm like, these institutions are eroded. They're rotten to the core. There's no repairing this. Like you're not even if you pass a law saying it's illegal. To teach critical, the teachers are still going to do it. These are they're radical. Right. Like these are these are these are radical ideologues. They don't care. They don't care. So, you know, we're going back and forth, and she was basically throwing that out at me, like, "Oh, well, then what are parents going to do about you know their kids? How are they going to work?" And I said, "Well, that's the problem." You know, back back years ago, the father could support the family. He didn't have to have the wife go to work. And I'm not saying the wife shouldn't work. I'm not saying anything because like you know that's immediately what they're going to jump on.
0: Yeah, if they want to work, they can work. I don't care. They shouldn't have to.
1: Exactly, exactly. And it's better for the kids. And that's why it's designed to be that way. And that's why they're pushing for that. Well, no, we'll have daycare for your kids now. They want your kids as young as possible to indoctrinate them as early as possible. So by the time they are 18 years of age, there is no reversing that mental damage that they have done to them. And they will do it. Make no mistake about it. They will do it. Because if you indoctrinate majority of the population of the next generation to come, it's game over. (laughs) that's game over you know what i mean there's more of them there's more of that population it's easier to control it's easier to manipulate they don't have any critical thinking abilities at all you own everything now and that's exactly what they push it for and a lot of people don't even know this but are you familiar with a gentleman named john taylor gatto
0: Mm, sounds familiar but i I can't say is he on twitter
1: um no he, he actually passed away but he wrote a book uh it was about public education he was he used to be a teacher but long story short, he exposed a lot of things about public education. And a lot of people don't even know that when this country first implemented public education, they had to use the National Guard to get the parents to comply because the parents were firmly against it. They said, I don't want some stranger teaching my child all day for right. eight hours a day. They were like, that's insane, would never do that. So they had to use the National Guard. Parents were strongly opposed to it. And this gentleman by the name of John Dewey and the Rockefeller Foundation, designed education purposely to indoctrinate the students and the young people of the country. This is this is facts, this is known, there's documents and Congress and everything about this. So when people argue about public education, I, there's no fixing that, that system was designed to literally indoctrinate people. It wasn't as bad as it is now. I'm not saying it didn't produce some great minds, it absolutely did. But that system has been rotten for a very, very long time. And I think the only way to really you know, get some fire going around the issue is around the sexual things that they're trying to teach. Because there's many things that they're pushing. They're pushing race, pushing trans. But that sexual thing is that main topic that a lot of parents, regardless if they're left or right, can get behind and be like, no, this is outrageous. And I think the focus needs to be there because I see a lot of times you get pushed to a different topic, a different topic, a different topic. Just stay on that one. Hammer that one away. right? There. Make them drowned on it. You know what I mean? If that happens, I think education can... <laughs> definitely get a run for the money for sure
0: 100%. Yeah, that's that's really really interesting and and I struggle with the the whole idea of public education regardless of what's going on today because I tend to be like a very right-wing small government laissez-faire capitalist type guy. That's that's where my mind's at, right? And but, but on the other hand, I understand that it's good for everybody if everybody can read. You know, like I own an advertising business. I make ads all day on social media and it's good for my business that people know how to read those ads. (laughs) Right. And, and um, so, so I'm not, I'm not opposed to the notion that there's, there's a place for some sort of like common core for lack of a better term. I don't mean common core in the sense of 2012 common core, but I mean literally like a common core (laughs) of, you know, basic arithmetic, basic, you know, reading comprehension skills. But but like most of the stuff that I think of as like absolutely fundamental is like the stuff that you know when you you learn by the time you're 15.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree with you 100. percent You know all the stuff I picked up in philosophy and stuff like that. I didn't learn it in a university. I learned it in prison behind bars. <laughs> like, and I probably have more, you know, knowledge and a lot of material on philosophy than a lot of people who went to school for it. You know what I mean? And if they did go to school for it, they were misled on many subjects and purposely lied to. So I agree with you 100%. You teach the child how to read, fundamentally read, critically, analyze what he's reading, really think about the material, mathematics, basic science, the fundamentals, and then give him the option to take off in whatever direction he feels passionate about. Let him go. Let, it, let the bird spread his wings. Nope. Instead, they got this funnel on universities. You got to go to university, get a good job. Got to have a PhD. It's nonsense. I went to yeah. a trade school. I learned, I learned how to pour concrete, make a killing. I know many guys that have done the same. And then I know people who work at restaurants right now waiting tables who got a PhD. Miserable. God. You know what I mean? That's the pr- I agree with you 110% on that, brother. 110 well, they become
0: they become bitter too. And this is in that article I shared with you, where if you are educated to an elite level, but there aren't elite opportunities, because there's only so many elite level jobs. <laughs> There's only so many engineer positions. There's only so many professor positions. And if you're educated to that level and your only opportunities are waiting tables, you become a very bitter human being Yeah, because (laughs) it's beneath you, right? In your own mind. And that's like one of the, that's one of the, the the problems that we set up for ourselves. I think in the United States was there was this huge push in the second half of the 20th century for everybody college education and for it to be a liberal arts education. And we neglected the trades because manufacturing, we outsourced to slave labor in China and, uh, ultimately, we're in this situation where these these people graduate with their master's degrees in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and they have to like make up problems and new jobs. <laughs> like, there's a whole industry around consulting on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's because there's no jobs for these fucks when they graduate. You know, like, they're not going to pour concrete. <laughs> they're
1: like, where am I going to be inclusive at? Like, there's like there's I've, no I, I've been away.
0: saying this man, this year. It's like, dude, you can't be a communist if you've never held a hammer or a sickle. Like, no, they yeah, actually yeah. held hammers and sickles, you know, when that whole thing started, right? <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> dude, it's insane, man. I don't I, <laughs>
0: Like, have you actually held a
1: hammer or a sickle? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like a half moon or something.
0: <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. It's just spiritual, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, they don't know. They, they have no clue, dude. They just think it looks cool on a shirt. They know nothing about it. But no, nah, you're spot on. You're definitely spot on, man. And I see it everywhere. You know, I see it everywhere. But I also see, you know, the guys in the trades that I work with, you know, and they, they're getting restless too. They know what's going on. You'd be surprised how many guys that work in these trades, construction, concrete, I said, you know, pick up your morning trash. They're very politically involved. They're not oh, yeah, openly yeah. vocal. We wouldn't, but amongst each I other, dude. I never ever
0: thought that there was anything inferior about the working class intellect at all. No way. Not even a little bit. So that, that I mean, just maybe it's the way I was brought up. I went to college, but I'm the only one of my three of my three brothers that graduated from college. And so I've kind of seen both sides of the coin where like I know what it's like to hustle and to just figure shit out. And I also know what it's like to go to a fancy private school where everybody's been spoon fed, you know, from a silver spoon. So I've seen both sides. But I, I know one one thing for sure, man. It doesn't matter what you do or how much money you have. that has nothing to do with how intelligent you are.
1: No, it sure don't. And that, isn't that weird, man, is that these people advocate for like some socialist system, some Marxist system, but yet they actually hate the working class. Yeah. The, the the tension is there between the people that are really actually the working class and these people who claim to advocate for the working class. And it's clear as day. And it, it's funny because I feel like we have like that, that niche that they can't stand, like that logic. We just have that basic logic, like, dude, this is insanity. Like, you hear yourself. <laughs> like, And they, they can't stand it. They're like, well, go look up this scientific journal. And we're like, get out of here. Like, We don't have time. And it infuriates them because they. I feel like a lot of people really do try to especially the ones that went to the universities. it's not all of them i met some good people but a large portion of them they try to look down on people like you said man it's like they feel like they're superior in a way and it's like you're really not if you could only see what we see when you're speaking how you're speaking you look absurd bro But <laughs> like, we're laughing like, and, and it's just i don't know man the direction this is headed it, it's intriguing because I never even thought of that. The working class, they advocate for the working class, but the working class is clearly this, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, Well, I mean, look how they're treating the truckers, man. Truckers are finally standing up for themselves in Canada and they're just getting also a rash of shit from Justin Castro.
1: Oh, dude, that's a whole nother, I can't even believe this. People really calling them fascists. It's like, do you guys even know the definition of fascism? I don't even think they when
0: The government comes and takes your gasoline. yeah (laughs) that's fascism that's what they're doing that's what the government is doing in canada
1: that's how intense and insane the brainwashing is like mussolini literally literally said fascism should rightfully be called corporatism because it's the merger of state and corporate power
0: yeah (laughs) it's it's funny man like when you think about mussolini and hitler and those guys in the first half of the 20th century when fascism became you know all the rage (laughs) it's funny when you think about them because like they didn't have any historical examples to really look back on to know that fascism was bad. You know, like they, they knew, like you could look back on King George or whatever. You could look back on monarchies, but a monarchy is different from a fascism. They're similar in a lot of ways because there's a dictator, but, but they didn't know that, that it was bad. It was reasonable to think theoretically at that time without context, that maybe this is what my people need. Right. And and we look back on these people like, oh, they were so evil. And they were. Don't get me wrong. I'm not defending them by any means. But they had no way to know in their context that fascism was going to be a, a major problem. And if you look at Hitler, for example, evil dude, murdered a lot of innocent people, tens of millions, indefensible. But he really brought Germany out of a rut for a while until he blew it at the end. And, and it, it's kind of it's kind of strange to look at it that way because I'm no friend of fascism. But it really did some healing to a certain extent for a very short period of time in that country.
1: No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I agree with that also. And a lot of people, when they talk about Hitler or Mussolini, it's like it's almost uncomfortable. They don't want to bring up those those points. But those are true. Those, it's historically documented. And the thing that's appealing with fascism in it, I think it's something people should pay very close attention to because there could be a reaction. I'm not saying there is, but there could be. And no one can predict what that will look like. The reason the Nazis got behind Hitler were for many reasons. You had the Weimar Republic before that. You had massive inflation. You had a lot of radical policies being pushed. And 30% people were getting, unemployment. Yeah, and people were getting fed up with it. And what he promised him, he goes, you guys get behind us and support us. I'll bring you normalcy back.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and,
1: that's, and imagine a bunch of working men, construction, getting behind something like that, spontaneously, Eruption. Yep. Yeah, the average doing? age of a,
0: the average age of a Nazi when the Nazis came to power, and I believe thirty three was between eighteen and thirty four years old. They the were show. young men. And the they were young and the men. Money. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. There's an awesome book. You might have already read it, uh, but there's this is a famous book. It's called the The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich.
1: I have and not read that. This is like know.
0: the ultimate tome. It's the most famous book on. It's huge on how that whole thing happened. And it's, it's really fascinating. If you look at Germany right before the Nazis came to power, first of all, there were a million different political parties. It wasn't just like right-wing, left-wing. It wasn't like in the United States. There were a bunch of different political parties. And when the Nazis came to power in 33, there were 80 million people that lived in Germany and only 2 million of them were Nazis. Only one in 40 people actually belonged to the Nazi party or identified with it. And what ultimately happened was the existing established government couldn't get anything done because the Nazis were like the tiebreaker right and so they always had to go to the nazis to get shit done like when they couldn't agree or whatever and and it's just crazy how they were able to leverage such a small amount of influence in order to ultimately take over the whole country and almost the entire western hemisphere right yeah. and and but the the one thing that i uh, that i've taken away from my study of it at the, to this point is that something happens when unemployment gets up to 30%, like one in three people, because, you know, we have, we have unemployment, you know, in the 5% to 10% range, like some of that's uh, because the economy is bad, but a lot of that can be explained by like drug problems, mental health issues, what like other explanations that aren't really, you know, the system's broken. Right. And, but when you get unemployment up to 30%, when one in three people are getting up every morning and they're going out and they're looking for work all day and they're coming home having found none for months and then for years, there starts to be serious radicalization. And mm-hmm. I think the reason we haven't seen radicalization in the United States yet, to the, I mean, we have a little bit you know, with this Marxist shit, but we haven't seen real radicalization yet because it hasn't gotten bad enough. But when it gets bad, people find somebody to blame, just like the the Nazis found the Jews, and it's never justified, and it's always rash, and and there's a there's tremendous consensus and force, and it happens like that.
1: Exactly. So
0: we gotta we have to have to do it. by all means we have to keep our shit together because if we get to a point where one in three Americans is unable to work, we're going to see some major radicalization, violent radicalization, Gestapo type shit.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the thing that you said that was that was key to that is, you know, somebody to blame. Well, that's justification. Now, yeah. if the working class is already the people who are against a lot of these mandates and these policies, those are the people that will eventually be put out of work. So it's clear where they stand. Well, now you give them a reason to justify violence. And I'm not saying that's what will happen. But these are all possibilities that could absolutely happen. Well, now you gave them something to justify. It. So now they're going to blame somebody. Well, we told you guys that these mandates were going to mess everything up. We told you guys voting this way was going to make this possible, right? And that's how it starts to happen. Now, you're, now you're, you're grooming a population of people to feel like they're justified in doing something about it, you know? And not only that, but these were the people that were working, actually working, and now they're laid off. Now, what does that turn into? That's frustration. That's rage. That's resentment. And now you gave them justification. And people in the United States, you know, they, they pump that race stuff so deep And it's such nonsense. Do you really think a population of working men would just be white? You don't think they'd be Spanish? You don't think they'd be? Of course they would. Now, what would that look like? Do you think they're gonna care about your macaroni sign in the street? No. These people, you took the food off their table with your ignorance, right? And that is dangerous. That's extremely dangerous. Like, they can say they wanna predict that reactionary movement and control it all they want. And they have in the past, but there's no predicting that. That's human nature. That's the will to preserve, that's preservation. If I don't do something and I don't preserve my way of life, my family don't eat no more. That's just as dangerous if it gets unchecked as anything they're pushing if it forms into something that is underestimated. And I try to pay attention to both, to both because I think people are underestimating that element for sure, but you hit that right on the money. I feel like we're reading the same material almost
0: like I love same. hanging out with you man. <laughs> this is this is this is not the last time that we're going to talk. I can tell man, we're going to be buds. Um, so I got a theory that I want to run by you and see what you think. All right. So I was, um, looking at, uh, on, on Martin Luther King day, um, I was looking at the, uh, photographs of the civil rights protesters, you know, and they were wearing like Sunday best, like suits to the nines. They looked fucking great, right? They're marching, they're arm locked. They're not destroying shit. Everybody's shaved, buttoned up. I mean, it is a classy looking protest, Right. And then, then I compared it to, you know, like some of the black lives matter shit that was going on last summer with the fucking flags and the fires everywhere and shit. I'm like, what the fuck happened? And it occurred to me, dude, that like in the United States, after the civil rights act passed in 1964, minority communities were getting by paycheck to paycheck. Like they weren't rich, but they were, they were making ends meet and it was okay. And you could have, you know, a a single, you could have one parent working and supporting an entire family. There was the nuclear family in minority communities. The divorce was low in minority communities. Uh, uh, There was, there were, there were Judeo Christian values, right? Very religious. If you look at like the Southern black community, I mean, we're talking gospel shit. MLK, for example, classic example of this. And then what happened was we went off the gold standard and we had that hyperinflation under Carter and those minority communities that were just getting by paycheck to paycheck all of a sudden with 10% inflation it wasn't enough anymore cuz their income didn't go up but the cost of living did and so you had mom had to start working and then nobody was watching the kids and then you had you know kids turn into crime and then you know it manifests over 50 years and now we have all these fucking racial problems and these crime problems in these communities that weren't there in the 60s and it, it occurs to me that the whole entire cause is inflation like if we could, if we could just solve the inflation problem, I honestly think we would solve our race problem in this country.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think I think what you're what you're you know getting to is Lyndon Baines Johnson also passed the Great Society program right around that time too, mm-hmm. and that was like the big brother you know programs like welfare and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, a lot of people just don't look in depth with it. Like you said, the inflation happened around the same time, which is just as bad. All that. It was just like a big tumbleweed of, of a process but there's a lot of catch-22s with a lot of these programs like the single mother could get section eight but she can't have a man in the house well no man in the house means a young man growing up without a father figure now where does he go to the streets and that's what happened you know so yeah that i agree with that theory a hundred percent and i think you know what they were pushing for now from then all the way up all this build to now is they're trying to destabilize society they want society to fall into an utter state where people beg for them to bring some kind of it order.
0: certainly feels like that. It's really so, bizarre.
1: Exactly. But I don't think I don't think it'll play out that way. And I think they overplayed their hand. Because the people that they're using to destabilize society don't want to stabilize society. These people thrive off lawlessness. If you stabilize society, they can't break into the stores no more. They can't ride and loot. They don't want that. And they know that. And that's one of their weak points that I'm seeing that a lot of people haven't really been calling out. But I've seen that. You've already encouraged these people that it's lawlessness. They don't even have to work. They can go steal everything. Police can't even stop them. Why would they embrace you to stabilize it back? They're not going to do that. And that's the jam that they're in now. And now that's an opportunity for something to pop up on the other spectrum of it. Now, what pops up? I don't know. But there's there's openings there. If someone comes with that resentment element in that and really gets that frenzy going, that could be disastrous, too. You know, and then people embrace the whole dropping of the fist on that angle, and then what? You know what I mean? So there's a lot of there's so many angles of where this could go. Man, I I try to think about it as much as possible without losing sleep and tossing and turning, like um, like like I'm literally fighting with the sheets. But yeah, man, inflation. I don't. How high is inflation right now? Have you like what's the well, the official
0: number is seven point five percent, but it's a lot higher than that. They're lying about it because if they admit that it's higher, they have to pay they have to pay more in social security benefits because social security payouts are tied to inflation. So they lie about it, and it's I think it's closer to fifteen percent. I mean, wow. I live in Austin, Texas. I bought a house here two years ago. It's up fifty percent in value, and it's not just because it's a hot market. Like it's because the dollar is now worth shit. You know, and, and the, the CPI, the way we measure inflation is like based on weird shit. It's like compared to other currencies, it doesn't even include stuff. Like, I don't think it even includes cost of food, cost of housing. I, I, it's like, it's like bizarre. And since we're the global reserve currency, like it's, it's, you can't really measure inflation that way, as I understand it, because when the value of the dollar goes up, then it, you know, the other currencies, like we're the, we're the reserve currency. So when we move, everything else moves kind of relative. And so the, the whole way that we measure inflation is just totally fucked up. It's, but it's, it's way more complicated. Like last year, we, I think we liquidated uh, or we printed 42% of all dollars ever printed um, in COVID response. And like as soon as that money gets in circulation, man, like, it's going to be hell to pay. And the banks, man, like the banks, uh, uh, for, I, I believe at one point in time, they only had to have 10% of the money that was deposited in the bank, actually in the bank. I think they actually moved that down to zero uh, during COVID. I could be wrong about that, but the thing is, man, like if the Federal Reserve gives a bank a million dollars, then they can legally lend out ten million, and so there's more debt than there is money to pay it. <laughs> you know like, you're forever and forever in debt. There's no getting it's out. Ponzi scheme, bro. The only way that it works is if we keep, if we keep hustling and as long as GDP is, is greater than the rate of inflation, we're okay, but it's unsustainable forever. Eventually you can't keep up with it and then it collapses. And then we've got 30% unemployment and starving people and we're going to be looking for somebody to blame. And I don't know who's, what's, what's fascinating to me is like, who's going to get blamed. I like, is it just like white dudes
1: fault? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think so. I don't think that will. I think they can try to perpetuate that message all they want, but I think the common person understands that it's not, you know, most people, whether or not they say it out loud or even post it and tweet about it on social media, they know what's up. They see it. You know, I hear it all the time with the guys at work. Some of them don't even have social media. I'm talking guys from Portugal. Dude. They still got flip phones, but they know yeah. they're not, and they're not happy at all. So I don't, it makes me nervous too, man. But I don't think it'll 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 fan out like that. And another interesting thing you just brought about housing, right? Do you remember when they did the rent freezes, and they said that tenants went? Yeah. I think it was passed under Trump. I might I might be mistaken. I'm pretty sure this yeah, was. Yeah. yeah how was. come they didn't How come they didn't freeze it for the landlords and the property owners?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You still got to pay the You still got to pay the debt on the yeah. property, but you, so you don't have to collect. Yeah. You can't collect
1: rent. Yeah. We'll have to the middle class guy that owns a three tenement. What about him? Man? Forget about him. Man. Who's buying those properties when they go under? I would only assume BlackRock and maybe you know Vanguard. Just an just an it's assumption. Just like what,
0: it's just like what happened in two thousand and eight, man. When all uh, the properties, when all the property values plummeted, the, it, there was a conglomeration, and they bought yeah. everything up cheap,
1: and they made shit ton of money. Yeah. Backdoor deals, dude. Both Republican and Democrat. And
0: nobody went to jail. <laughs> no. Nobody went to jail
1: because they make like, the was, rules. <laughs> they
0: make the rules, man. They make, they the, make rules,
1: the rules. Dude. Yep. I don't know. I don't
0: know. I don't know either. So, so what do we do, man? Like what, what, what has your prison wisdom taught us is the answer. <laughs> oh,
1: man, honestly, dude, I, I, I would say, you know, just the people that you engage with day to day, that face to face interaction, there's a reason why they wanted people locked down and unable to do that face to face interaction. Cause when you exchange with people face to face, the message comes off differently you know, the tone of voice is there, you can hear them, you could feel what they're saying. So my best advice would be, you know, if somebody's interested in and, and you hear, overhear a discussion and somebody, you know, coworkers, educate them the best of your ability, not educate them, but get them aware of what is really happening, what's really at stake. Try to get people, you know, somewhat motivated to get more involved than they are now. Like I try to get people to understand this. What is the point of living a life where you have to obey Think about everything you're going to say. Make sure you don't say the wrong thing and live a certain way that other people demand of you. Are you even living at that point? And if so, and you come to understand that you're not, start to speak up while you still are able to. You know, you don't have to be involved in it every day, but use your voice, man. This society is outrageous at this point. Everybody's seeing it now. I mean, they got gender neutral bathrooms. Men are going into the women's bathrooms. They're bombarding your kids with indoctrination daily. They're telling you you can't even do nothing about it. They're telling you the economy's doing great. You can't even find a steak from three different stores. You're driving all around your neighborhood just to get a steak or a gallon of milk. Gas is out. We're
0: driving all over to get formula for our baby, man.
1: My wife, too, man. We had to go
0: to 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 Target. Target's out. Got to go to Trader Joe's, whatever, you know?
1: Yeah. Yep. My wife, same thing. We're having the same problem out here. So it's everywhere. So that would be my best advice, you know, face to face. You can do the social media stuff. You know, they control that, though. But that face to face, you talk to one person face to face get them motivated and obligated to get a little more inclined to be involved they could get two more people just as motivated then them two people get four people then them four people eight. you know mm-hmm. it it does work like that it can absolutely happen 100 percent. that would be my best advice right there all day long
0: yeah just get 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 reconnected
1: yeah 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 so yeah. so i was
0: yeah. I, man i, I want to know what you think about this i was um I asked my buddy, like we were just horsing around one night and I asked him, I was like, man, do you think that Kim Jong-un likes his job? (laughs) Like, Do you think he wakes up and he's like, today is going to be a great fucking day. You know, I'm going to (laughs) get infinite pussy. I'm going to eat as much chicken fried rice as I want. You know what I mean? Like, do you think he's just like set or do you think that it's like so stressful that he's like always looking over his shoulder? And I was like, man, like why do people want power? Cause it seems like if you get it, in that sort of a political environment, like a fucking dictatorship, like it's pretty dangerous, right? Like how many Caesars got whacked, you know, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, man, it seems to me that like when you have power, the only purpose that see that is meaningful is to, is to, is to keep it or grow it right at a certain point. Like that's just kind of human nature. You've got that in you. I've got that in me. It's not that these people are necessarily worse or better than us. Uh, or worse worse people than us. It's just, a, it's just the nature of power. Like absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? I'm thinking, man, like all power really is, is freedom. Because if you're omnipotent, you can do anything. You have the purest form of freedom. You can have any object. You can have any person. You can go anywhere. You can have any experience. I mean, that is freedom, right? And so ultimately it seems to me that like what we all truly desire as human beings is as much freedom as possible. And that what these, what these power, what the, what the power class or the political class is doing is they're trying to manipulate the political system such that they never have to be concerned with maintaining their power again, because it's, they're sort of, they're enslaved by, by perpetuating their power. And that's why, that's what I think the incentive for globalism is, because I had a really hard time trying to figure out why would, why would Joe Biden want globalism? Because if we weaken the United States in 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 the world in order to level the playing field and, and have this globalist sort of, you know, macro society, then doesn't that weaken his position? Doesn't that weaken his power? And I'm thinking to myself, no man, because if we if, if they if the political class truly accomplishes a globalist government, then they can guarantee that they'll never lose any power. So they don't have to worry about, they don't have to think about power anymore. There's no, there's no voting anymore. It's a, it's a new serfdom. It's like a new fiefdom, right? And I, ultimately, I think that's the aim. It's like, you know, those who want to increase the power of government must inherently be uh, opposed to the constitution because the constitution is a rule is a rule book that the government has to follow. All, all the rules in there are for the government. None of them are for us, right? They pass laws for us to follow, but the constitution are the rules, they have to follow. And that's why they fucking hate it so much. So I think that this globalist push is real. I don't think it's really a consp- I don't think it's uh, just a conspiracy theory from Alex Jones, you know? I, I, I think that it's... I think it's real. And I don't know how... Um, how uh, guided it is or intentional it is, but it seems like a natural manifestation that the political class is coming together and figuring out a way that it can basically neuter its neuter the people of the world and um, uh, ensure infinite power for uh, inestimable, inestimable periods of time.
1: No, absolutely. Maybe I'm
0: just ranting crazy nah, shit.
1: Yeah, no, nah, dude, you're 100% right, man. You got the World Economic Forum talking about promoting people to eat bugs and live in pods. Yeah, they all, awesome. They're all they all lockstep in the same kind of message in which they're sending. You're absolutely 100% right. And the only reason they throw out that conspiracy thing is to make people that are hip to it sound crazy. When we're not, we're paying attention. It's not a conspiracy. And that's all. That's that's what they do. That's how they get people to, man, eh, nah brush it off. Man, eh, nah, nah, you're overdue. That'll never happen here. I hate when I hear that when people go, oh, this is the United States. That'll never happen here. I'm like, Germany said that probably around the same time. So did, so did the people that were living in the Soviet Union when Stalin came to power. You know how many people said that during history? Of course it can happen. It can happen anywhere. There's no guarantee that you won't experience some kind of totalitarian regime on full display just because you live in the United States. You're seeing it right now. But mm-hmm. the thing with the, with the globalism stuff, man, is if you really look deep into that, man, it's kind of unsettling because they pretty much own everything. BlackRock owns everything. the queen still
0: owns a shit ton of shit uh, of property the
1: queen i know man they fund everything they fund the military they own the politicians they own the they own everything and you have to look at that through law but what is a law well can a law guarantee that something won't happen to you no will the law guarantee that you have an outcome guaranteed whatever it may be no so the law is kind of it's fragile in a way, right? It doesn't prevent anything. There's no guarantee. It doesn't guarantee any outcome. Why is there so many? Why is your car only supposed to go 65, but they make it 120 miles per hour? They want you to break the law. That's why they're there. That's how they enslave you. Laws don't protect anything. We, we need less laws. We need people that are campaigning, literally going, I'm trying to get rid of a whole bunch of these laws. Like That's the only way you can get power back to individual. I, I hate when I see people campaigning that are against this left and or whatever you want to call them, Marxists, and they're like, I'm going to make laws for this. No. Don't add any more laws, bro. We need to yeah. get more laws. That's the And whole the country.
0: cancel culture too, like the, the cancel culture back. Like, cancel Whoopi. I'm like, no, don't cancel no, anybody. Yes. That's the whole fucking point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: don't cancel whoop, She sucks. Don't cancel her.
1: <laughs> yeah. Canceling is the problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you see it. Man, it's a set. It's, it's like what a Catholic. What do you think about stuff. this
0: Joe Rogan shit, man? I, I'm uh, a huge Joe Rogan fan, but what do you think about this this recent fiasco?
1: What specifically about him throwing the apology out there, or just yeah? I'm thinking. Well,
0: ultimately, like deleting like 110 of his own episodes, man.
1: I mean, he put out the statement saying that he did right. That was yeah, he, he said that he, 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 he says yeah. that
0: he did it. I believe. I I don't think he's lying. He could be, but I don't think so.
1: He's never I mean, lied to me before. I mean, he might have. You know, went along with it. I do think there was pressure added a hundred percent. But I mean, to me, it was kind of disappointing, man. I I got respect for Joe Rogan, but. You got to know better than that. What are you apologizing for? If you didn't do anything wrong, how can you as a man, with your platform that you have, go on camera and apologize for something that you know is being spun to make you look bad?
0: Yeah. Do you think he no, actually felt bad for dropping the end bomb so many times?
1: I, I, I don't. I, I honestly don't. I, I mean, they were already attacking him and smearing him and spinning so many things to try to take him down before that. So when that all came out, you know that they took some things out of context. They tried to make you look bad. So you already know the game. And now you're apologizing for something like that. I just, he should know better than that. Because the more you do that, I will never apologize for nothing I say. If I say it, I meant it. And I will never take it back. Because it's my right to do that. I can voice my opinion. however. Once you bend that knee and you even remotely throw out some semblance of an apology, it's over for you. That's like it's over for you 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 can't
0: can't apologize to a mob that doesn't believe in forgiveness
1: yeah absolutely not nope they want to tell you the shreds that that's my whole take on that so yeah and i'm kind of
0: with you on that man like like here's 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 my my deal with joe rogan and let me know what you think about this all right i've been listening to joe rogan for like five six years Uh, 2016 maybe was when i started And I originally got into him because I really liked when he had Jordan Peterson on after Jordan Peterson first became famous, you know, and I really liked Grant the Graham Hancock episodes, you know, about ancient civilizations and shit. I love all that stuff. I'm a dork, right? And I think Joe, this throughout his entire podcast career has been nothing but genuinely himself. And then, you know, he switched over to Spotify, which I was excited about. I was like, great, made 100 million bucks, allegedly. And they didn't seem to be censoring him at all because all the shit that he was posting on Spotify for the past year is stuff that would have gotten banned from YouTube. Right. And, and just different COVID stuff, different vaccine stuff, whatever. And, you know, it's weird because this video, like of the compilation video of him using the racial slur, I don't think that's a new video. I think that video had been going around. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's gone viral like several times over the years at different points. And it's just very strange to me that he apologized like at this juncture. And I don't know why because he doesn't need money. And maybe he was maybe he was at risk of losing his contract with Spotify, but like I just don't know why he would apologize unless he was genuinely sorry. But at the same token, it's like it, it's totally counterintuitive that he would be generally genuinely sorry because i've been going back and listening to the episodes that he erased and i can tell that he means what he's saying in those episodes about freedom of speech and how this whole censorship stuff is stupid and i just can't see that kind of a reversal from him uh so so immediately but i don't what i what's missing is like why now
1: yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give him a work. pass,
0: dude, because he's you know he's been so great. Like I'm gonna give him some grace and a pass. I'm still a fan. I'm not gonna like cancel Joe and be like you know boycott him. But like I was definitely disappointed this run.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like, why, like if you knew you were gonna fold that way, and I hate to use the word fold, but if you knew eventually you were gonna bend the knee, then why did you drag it out for so long in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you're if you're setting your convictions that you'll never bend the knee, you'll never bend it. Like, I mean what I said, I will never apologize for anything I say. I don't care if there's a mob of people outside my house with tiki torches, I'm not taking it back. Like, no way, but I could never look at myself in the mirror. I can't do it. And if he was, you know, like that for this period of time, then why all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like you said, at that specific time, boom, it makes no sense. And he was getting offers from, I think, Rumble. I I know other people have had to reach out to him, like offering him like, let's get him, you know what I mean? So i don't know what's man. crazy
0: is he deleted all the episodes without telling any of the guests like michael malice put, tweeted and was like two of my episodes are deleted now what happened it's like you it's like joe joe didn't call you like he deleted yeah. them like you think that he would have called you and been like hey i'm gonna remove a bunch of episodes a couple of years or ones because of something you know what i mean like 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 for example if i were ever d- to delete this episode because of some controversy 10 years from now i'd call you and be like hey man by the way, like yeah, I'm famous now, you're famous now. <laughs> I'm going to delete that episode. Like I wouldn't just do it and like, have you be like, what the fuck happened?
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm like showing like the, the throwbacks. I'm like, you want to see my stardom to fame right here? Let me go back to the first episode. I'm like, where the, f- it's gone. Like I'm on the phone with you. Like <laughs> smash my well, and
0: What's <laughs> creepy about it is that this whole deletion thing happened, like within seven days of the Biden administration, you know, making that speech about, uh, uh, Shutting down misinformation on major media platforms.
1: Yeah, and label it labeling it as terrorist threats, which is extremely dangerous too, because if you can't accurately describe what misinformation is and what these terrorists are, well all they have to do is use the media to smear you, paint the picture, destroy you in the public image, charge you and throw you away.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing that's (laughs) so scary about the domestic terrorist thing is that if you're a terrorist, you don't have rights. You don't have the right to an attorney. You don't have the right to due process. Like if you were labeled as a domestic terrorist, a threat to national security, they can put you in Guantanamo for years without any charges. Right. You, you yeah. no longer have the rights of a U.S. citizen at that at that point. And so that's why I am very resentful of this language being thrown around of domestic terrorism and just, you know, labeling people on very vague and obscure terms as domestic terrorists because you're basically just saying, no, your rights don't count. Your rights count. Your rights don't count. And it's just like, fuck you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it infuriates me, too, because a lot of the people from the left, you know, they've been fighting against, you know, wrongful uh, prosecutions and you know, etc. all those things like that. And it's like, you don't see the, the setup here. You don't see this play. If you allow them to pull over something like that, you don't think they're gonna come for you next. You're only getting away with what you're getting away with because it's beneficial to the people power. Once they obtain all that power, you're on the same menu as everybody else. You're not special. It's like, where is the sense? Like these people have no common sense. Like they just don't, they don't see it. And I think that's one of the key differences between like working people, people that have been to prison. Like we just have that, we understand. We're not fools, bro. Like, you're not going to pull that over. We, We see it. And for some reason, people that have never experienced something like that in their life, whether it doesn't have to be prison specifically, but, you know, been in the streets a little bit, been around the block at least once or twice, they can't see it for some reason. I'm like, how do you not see the dangers of that? Giving somebody complete power to smear you whenever they want, if they feel like you're a threat to them, charge you for the smear and lock you up and throw away the key, bro? Where's the ACLU at? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know, man.
0: So, so you know how like um, you know a lot of times kids become the opposite of their parents if their parents go too hard in any direction, right? So if you like a lot of kids, like if your parents are like way too strict about religious stuff, then you see like those kids grow up and they kind of like become anti-religious, right? That happened for like a generation. Uh, There's other examples too, right? There's sort of like this push-pull. Do you think that? the the generation z that's in school now and they're like getting hormones and shit from their teachers right do you think that they're going to grow up and be like no f- that was not fucking cool do you think they're going to realize it or do you think that they're warped
1: i think th- i think i think there's probably some that ain't warped but i would say overall that that generation it's not looking good for them man i mean those kids only care about trending on tiktok making a video about mom spaghetti or something like they're not they pay no attention yeah like they're paying no Listen attention to M&M, at bro even listening yeah. to M&M? <laughs> it's on the already. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah I, I I think it's over for that generation man I i, I know a couple people that are from that generation you know like sure. brothers and my friends and stuff and it's like man what are you talking about like do you hear what you're saying it's like I, I just don't think there's no repair and another thing that's scared scary about that is I don't want to say it in this way, but they're soft men. They don't. They're they soft. won't stand up if someone starts really violating their. They're not going to stand up. They're going to go to cry to the authorities, and then they're going to realize the authorities are the ones oppressing us now. Wait a minute, you're not supposed to do that. It's too late. We've been trying to warn you guys for all three years. You're not paying any attention. They're not going to be able to do nothing. They are way too coddled. Way too coddled. These people think they're kids. They're identifying as kittens. They're not going to stand up for nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? I think our generation. Maybe a little bit before that, is that's a last hope, dude. Like, if,
0: if, if it's we funny, don't identify done... identifying as kittens, but a cat, like a real cat, would fuck him up. <laughs> like, yeah. get this off the wrong cat, dude. You're fucked. Like, you can put the ears on, man, but that cat is not having it. <laughs>
1: yeah. My grandmother found that cat in the alley somewhere, and now she's feeding it like meatloaf and mashed potatoes. That thing's built like a house, dude. <laughs>
0: it's, funny, man. it's funny that the whole cat thing is taken off, too, because cats are like famous for being like the street animal like they they're they have like street smarts you know they, I mean? they live they hustle they figure out where there's advantages they get in fights they claim their territory like yeah. it's so weird that like the cat thing is like taken off is like oh like they're so cute man I'm, I'm a cat i identify as a cat but it's like man you're like identifying as an animal that is fucking ruthless first of all it's a carnivore Right. So it's not doing any of this vegan bullshit. This thing is like only wants to murder shit to eat, right? Right. So, like right off the bat there. Second of all, I've never ever met a cat that loved a human being, man. I've met I've met a cat that has cohabitated with the human being and you know, gotten along, and you know, maybe there's some, you know, give and take there. There like, you pet me, you pet me, and I like it, and I purr and shit. But that cat does not give a fuck. When you die, that cat's gonna eat you. Your dog's not gonna eat you, but your cat's gonna eat you. It's so funny to me that. The whole cat thing has been so adopted by the coddled, soft, left kind of young generation when cat. a cat is like – that's a fucking predator, man.
1: Dude, it's, it's, it's insane, and cats don't even want to be bothered. You ever go to pet a cat, it's like, dude, get out of here. I'm busy right now. Yeah. I'm on nanny's lap getting, getting stroked right now. Don't bother me. Get out of here. Yeah, but I feel yeah, bad, a- man. Yeah, I feel bad. Imagine a teacher, right, knowing how absurd things are right now, and some student maybe 12 years old goes, my pronouns are kitten, right? That teacher probably starts sweating, doesn't know what to do, getting hot, having hot flashes. Cause you know, you gotta actually participate in this absurdity and call that human being a kitten. I wouldn't be able to sleep after something like that. I think I'd lose sleep. I, I would have to go talk to somebody professionally about something like that. Knowing I had to bow down to a student and call them a cat. <laughs> I would never come back from that. No way. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, could, I yeah, I don't, yeah. I think that's why Jordan Peterson probably that's probably why he snapped. He's like, oh, oh it. Yeah. remember? Because that was his yeah. whole
1: thing. Yep, and that's that. <laughs> yeah, of course, I do. That's a classic. That's a classic. Listen, here, Bucko. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when we used to always say Bucko, I think you got to yeah. stop doing it.
0: <laughs> he's the man. I love Jordan Peterson. I saw him man. speak live actually a couple of weeks ago here in Austin. Oh and yeah, uh, How was it was it, it was cool. It was my second time seeing him, but my first time, of course, since he's been sick. And he's, he's great, man. His daughter opened up for him and she did a great job. She managed like the, she fielded the questions from the audience and stuff. And it was just really cool. I'm really happy for him. I, I, love, I love Jordan Peterson, man. I think he's a really, really important intellectual figure in our time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, he's one of the best, man. I love watching his videos. I go back to watch him just destroy people.
0: Dude, I like his um, I like his his biblical series. Have you listened to any of his explanations to like the story of Cain and Abel and stuff like that?
1: I have not, not yet. I'm on uh, I'm on uh, Leonard Peikoff right now, The History of Philosophy, which Ooh. is another pretty good uh, it's a pretty dope one. But I'll definitely check out that one after for sure. Hundred percent.
0: Are you uh, are you religious? No, you, I used you to don't be, but you, I'm, don't, uh, you don't have to answer that question if you don't yeah, want. Yeah, no, to know I'm not,
1: I, I grew up religious, but I uh. I started questioning things, man. If, if I'm going to be honest, one time I was in church and they were talking about, you know, if you put your faith in the Lord, you shall never starve and all that. And Being religious is great. I, I know many people that are religious, great people, my grandmother. But I seen them passing around the collection plate and I'm like, I thought if I put my faith in this guy, I won't starve, but you're asking me for money in this basket. And then I see the priest driving off in nice cars. I'm like, you guys ain't even practicing the faith that you're preaching on to me right now. So I kind of, yeah. That's yeah. that question a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, My you know, and the have...
0: religion and the faith are different, you know? Like, yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's easy to ma- mangle them together, but I found, like, I consider myself a deist. I believe in God, but the details are where I get, you know, confused.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> like, higher power for
0: sure. You know, good and evil exist. I think that God's probably good, you know? But I struggle with the details. But I will say that one of the things that I love about Jordan Peterson's biblical series, man, is that Peterson goes and he, and he reads these stories from the Old Testament and he talks about the archetypes and the real meaning of the story, regardless of whether it's true, regardless of whether Cain actually killed Abel, that doesn't matter. Here's what the story means, right? And when he started to, when I started to think of of Christianity in that way, I suddenly got so much more from it because it doesn't matter whether or not Jonah was in the whale. What is the metaphor of the story, Right. So, for example, like in the Old Testament, there's this famous scene where they're moving the Ark of the Covenant, right? Which is where uh, apparently the um, uh, uh, the Ten Commandments were stored. And God had said, whatever you do, don't touch the fucking Ark of the Covenant. It's like this box, right? And so they're carrying it on like these rods, like Indiana Jones style, you know? So they have like a platform for it and they they, they would transport it. So it had like rods, two people in the front, two people in the back. And this Ark would sit on this pl- like this plank, right? And anyway, like one of them trips... And the arc starts to slide off the platform, you know, that they're carrying it on. And, and like, he reaches out to catch it. So it doesn't hit the ground. And as soon as he touches it, he gets struck by lightning, you know, smitten. And it's like, holy shit. Like, if you believe that story literally happened, then the lesson that you take from that is the wrath of God. Obey. Don't question. Don't question authority. You know, just fucking do what you're told. Right. But if you think about it metaphorically, maybe the lesson is don't do the wrong thing for the right reasons. You know what I mean? Like, yeah,
1: no, you know, no.
0: You, I, you had Good intentions. You wanted to catch it. Right. But you still did the wrong thing.
1: Yeah. It's no. like
0: now, now I'm a better person because I'm not thinking of it like in a dogmatic literal way. You know, I'm not thinking about whether or not Jesus Christ literally came back from the dead, but I'm thinking about, okay, what does the resurrection mean in me? Right. So, you know, I don't know. It's just that I highly recommend like, Regardless of the religious stuff, I, I get I'm very disenfranchised with it too, because all the points that you just made. But if you listen to like one or two of those Jordan Peterson le- lectures about like an old testament story like Cain and Abel or something, it'd blow your fucking mind, bro.
1: Oh yeah. I've heard him I heard him talk briefly. I forget who he was debating with. I seen a little clip of it. It could have been Sam Harris. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah,
0: he did a he did a debate on Sam uh, with Sam Harris yeah. about whether God existed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And he was talking about religion. And I, I agree with what he's saying because there are things that they teach, you know, in the Bible that are biblical that. You don't have to attack and get rid of them. Whether or not you believe it or not, they they are rational things to live by, you know? Right. You, you know, right. respect thy neighbor, all those things. So I agree with that. I think my problem with religion, it runs into, you know, the good and evil aspect to a degree. And it also runs into the rewards and punishments, you know, because I feel like the whole structure of it is based off rewards and punishments. Live this sure. way and you shall be accepted into the pearly gates. Live this way and you shall be punished. Right. Well, how can somebody be born with innate, morals to be a righteous and good person but it has to be based off rewards and punishments i have to question that and one person i don't know if you've ever read him uh frederick nietzsche you definitely yeah. heard of him but um, he has,
0: nietzsche, yeah
1: yeah and he has a quote he goes the most the most oldest and still relevant illusion is the one of good and evil and it took me a while to understand what he was saying by that but then when i started to look at laws i figured it out you know the nazis persecuted the jews under the law it was legal it was considered right helping them was wrong Slavery was legal. Helping them was wrong. The law is not a moral compass on what's right or wrong. So We're why not. do you
0: have good and evil in your bio, man? Because you seem to be a, an advocate.
1: <laughs> no, because that was uh, that was uh, Hannah Arendt, and she wrote a book on the origins of totalitarianism. Is she <laughs> Hannah hot. Hannah Arendt. Uh, Probably not. She's old, she's old school, man. She's old. She was married. She was married to Martin Heidegger. <laughs> he was actually nice. <laughs>
0: there you go. There you go. That must have been a hell of a dinner <laughs> conversation. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> she wrote she wrote the uh I Church. hardly know her.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no, she's good. She's good people. She wrote uh Origins of Totalitarianism. She I was from uh around that time too. It's a really good book too. Definitely recommend it if you've never read it.
0: Yeah, I need to I need to read that, man. I've really I got so book. much I got so much that I need to read. you got a ton of
1: books back there, dude. I see I see them all. I was starting to get a little jealous, putting mine to shame. I have a decent Yeah, man, books. I
0: got I got a shelf right here on my left um, that these are like the ones I'm actually reading in, and those are usually ones that I've retired or I'm going to read way later. Yeah, I'm do you go looking. back and
1: forth? Like, do you sometimes you start one and then you'll start another one and just juggle in between? Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, read one true. book
0: at a time. And yeah. I'll tell you what, man, uh, this is something that I learned, and people will, will will scoff at this. There's a couple things about reading that I believe. The first thing I believe about reading is that you'll get more from rereading your favorites than you will. From trying to read all this new shit all the time like oh, i haven't read that yet oh I people get distracted but if you go back and read a book that you haven't read in three years it's one of your favorites it will speak to you differently so that's that's one thing that i believe the second thing that i believe is that with a lot of nonfiction, and i'm not talking about like philosophy analytical philosophy or anything like that because those guys they, they needed every word the way they thought was just so dense and, and important. But if you read like nonfiction today, a lot of the parameters for these books are based off of what the publishing companies demand because they know that a book has to be 280 pages in order to sell maximum it needs to be this thick. It needs to be this font. Needs to be, you know, they, they have all these parameters that they put. So like a lot of books are actually more like, you know, like a 5,000 word essay that's been expanded into a hundred thousand word book right? So I read, I read in nonfiction, I swear to God, I read the first sentence of every paragraph. And if it's interesting, I read the whole paragraph until I get bored. And then I read the first sentence of every paragraph again, until I get interested again. And I hammer through books in 90 minutes. And I tell you, I know, I I get it. Like, I'm sure I'm missing some shit, but it's way more efficient, man. Like if I'm going to read a business book, you know, I, I I don't have time to sit there for fucking eight hours and read every single word and every single little example. I'm going to hammer through it and move on. And I, mm-hmm. uh, I I've, I've sat, I've read three books in a day before like that. And I consider, I consider those books read.
1: Yeah. No, hundred
0: There's an awesome uh, app. Have you ever heard of the app Blinkist? B-L-I-N-K? I,
1: no, so I haven't.
0: Blinkist, dude, you can get a subscription. Um, it's really inexpensive. I can't remember what the cost is, but what they do is they have like um it's you wanna read a book that's like a, a fifteen hour read, they have like a person doing an hour summary of the book audio. So you can listen, like, all right, this is what happens in sapiens, like you know, you know, this is what happens in zero to one, or this is what happens, this is the gist of meditations by Marcus. The way Smiley. you just
1: described reading the book. It pulls all the essentials yeah, yeah, the out and leaves yeah. out all the Yep, you can go back and read that stuff later if you'd like to. But yeah, this is yeah, really and, yeah, and if you want to look more into it, then get the fucking
0: book. But like in the meantime, <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> anyway, man, I don't want to take any more of your time. I really enjoyed having having this chat with you, though. You're hey, an you awesome too, guest.
1: Man. You too, brother. Absolutely, you man. Anytime. Hey, listen. You
0: ever need anything, you let me know, okay?
1: Of course, brother. Oh, I will definitely let you know, my friend. <laughs> hey, That's cool, man. Easy, cool. brother. All right, dude.
0: All right, man. Take care. You too.